Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. So we've been going through uh, the sermon series in Acts for a really long time, and it's founded on one verse and, and one verse... Uh, well, many verses, but one verse is kind of the key foundation of the book of Acts, and it's this verse right here found in Acts 1.8, and it says this. Not that one, because that's 9.32. There we go. Uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth. It's the whole point I, I, I agree is our Christian faith is that at every single moment, what we're trying to do is we're trying to be God's witness. You know, there's a famous guy, uh, and I, his, name is, uh, his name is escaping me right now, but he says, he says, preach Jesus, and if needed, use words. That's our whole entire point. Is, is that uh, we are God's witness everywhere we walk around, and this is the whole uh, point of Acts is just forming the church. And so we've been watching as the church starts forming in Jerusalem, and then uh, we get into uh, kind of some persecution, and it's pushing people out. It's uh, bringing Paul to faith, and now we've got... Um, in this piece of scripture, we have Peter stepping out of Jerusalem, and he's been in Jerusalem for the last six years. And so where we're going today and, and headed in today is uh, the Pentecost has happened, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit came upon them in, uh, in the room, in the upper room, and now it's been six years that uh, Peter has been kind of in Jerusalem doing things, and now we kind of actually see Peter step outside of Jerusalem, and this is where we get. And I've I've um, labeled this sermon Peter, Peter's Continued Formation uh, because I, I think this is what happens. He's showing two, uh, the author is showing two incredible people. One, Paul, uh, who has a conversion because, of course, he is killing as many Christians as he possibly can, and God gets a hold of his heart and says, hey, no, you need to stop that uh, because I am the real resurrected king. And then we get, into, uh, we get into Peter, who is a little bit reluctant to get outside of Jerusalem. And so we're going to kind of, the next couple of weeks, look at actually Peter's transformation and how Peter is starting to understand the heart of God. And so Paul, being a Jew, didn't really, uh, well, actually didn't really follow Jesus. Um, and now he's beginning to understand, ah, this is what Jesus has and this is what Jesus is doing. And so I'm going to become a part of it. And I think Peter has had some uh, kind of ideas in which he took this verse right here uh, and he thought, Oh, well, this is for, uh, this is one way to interpret. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. There's a lot of scholars that actually believe that Peter would have looked at Acts chapter 1, verses 8, and would have said, hey, this is actually uh, my witness for Jews only. That we're going to go to the outer ends of the earth and tell all the Jews about Jesus, that the Messiah is here because they have been looking for the Messiah over and over again. And so Peter really didn't feel like there was much of a need to travel outside of Jerusalem. 
But of course, he knows that there's tons of people coming from all over the ends of the earth to Jerusalem to worship God. And so he feels like, hey, maybe I should go check on these people. And so it's been pretty interesting as we get into next week. And I know I talk about next week a little bit, but... um, Next week is really like this aha moment for Peter to understand, wait a second, this is really cool. Jesus is for everyone. And we talked about that last week is that Paul realized that, hey, the gospel is for everyone and I need to tell everyone. But Peter, the person that Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on, doesn't quite get that yet. And so in this, we have really two conversion stories in this chapter 9. And today we get to kind of fall on this one uh, a little bit. Um, but this today's sermon is going to be probably a little different uh, for me because uh, one is it's probably more of a conversation with you guys than anything. Um, it, not that I'm going to ask you guys to respond to me. <laughs> Uh, but uh, that I just kind of want to talk a little bit about um, where this chapter has brought me a little bit in some of my thinkings and some of my uh, moving forwards and kind of actually shoring up a lot of things in Acts for me. And so uh, let's pray and then we're going to dive into this. Dear Heavenly Father God, we ask that uh, we would see something incredible in these pieces of Scripture for ourselves, that your Holy Spirit would enlighten something for us, that God, we wouldn't just skim over this as good stories, and that we wouldn't even try so much to figure out what's so wrong with us that we can't be like Peter or, or anything like that, but Lord, that we could... Um, be guided and directed by your Holy Spirit because especially in Acts 1-8 when it says that when we are filled with your Holy Spirit, then we will be your witnesses. And so God, that's exactly what we want. We want to be filled with your Holy Spirit to, to be the witnesses to our families, to our friends, to our coworkers, and ultimately to the community that's around us. And so, God, I, I would ask that you would just speak through me this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So one of the things I was really thinking about when it came to this uh, sermon this week is we come right into two stories of just miracles, right? People getting healed. And so I, I went to my wife this week and I said, have you ever seen a supernatural miracle? Have we experienced miracles? Not, and I'm not talking about the miracle of birth, right? I'm not talking about uh, the, the miracle of um, watching an amazing sunset in the morning. I'm talking about something that we know is completely wrong, and then all of a sudden we go, that was a miracle, you know, we've been looking through this, and, and you know what? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes, we have. But not everybody in this room said that. You said yes, but does that mean that they're less important? Does that mean that they're not spiritual enough? And so this week I was sitting around going, I, ha- I haven't seen a supernatural mir- miracle And so then I began to think to myself, well, is that tied to my spirituality? 
Is that tied to me being some spiritual person? And then I began to just go, okay, well then do, does that mean that I don't have faith? Does that mean that because I haven't seen something amazing that, I, that, I, that, I, that I'm not faithful enough? You know, there's a guy that says in the scripture, it says, uh, God, I, I believe that you can heal, but help my unbelief. Like, I, I sit with that guy a lot. I, I think about his words tons, and I think to myself going, God, I, I know that you can do amazing things. Because there's, there's nothing impossible for our God. And so then I think to myself going, okay, so what sort of unbelief is in me? And then I began to think about things this, this way going, what's the whole entire point of, of life? If we were to boil down everything, and this is where it gets kind of weird for me this morning because, um, because I, uh, in my intellectual brain, I'm going to say something and then I'm going to realize that oh, there's a whole bunch of you in this room that could counteract what I'm about to say and go, that's not the God that I want to follow. And so if I was to boil down everything in life, it is this, is that everything, every moment, everything that happens exists to glorify God. There is not a single thing that doesn't happen in this earth, in this world, that cannot glorify God. The problem is, is that when something happens, we then begin to assume that this is what God is supposed to do. Right? We, we, something bad happens and we say, well, I don't want to follow a God who could allow this to happen. Well, then you don't want to follow a God who could allow a miracle to happen either. Because if we look at God completely, he is absolutely just. He is absolutely omniscient. He is absolutely uh, omnipresent. All of those things that you could describe God, if he is the creator and sustainer of all things, then that means that <laughs> the rain falls on the good and the unrighteous. And so it then becomes not about our job to tell God whether he's right or wrong, whether he can do something or not do something. In fact, actually, we see this story in Job, right, where something incredibly bad happens to Job, and he sits there, and he sits there over and over again, and he questions, well, he finally gets to the point of questioning God, right? Like all of his friends keep on telling him, would you, well, his wife tells him, just curse God and die, right? His friends are telling him, you got sin in your life, you need to deal with something, and he goes, I don't have any sin, I can't think of anything, I'm pretty sure that I followed the law, and so then one of his friends is just like, well, maybe you should just start questioning God, and then all of a sudden he's like, well, maybe I should, and he starts to question God, and God says, brace yourself, oh man, because who are you? to talk to me, and then he goes along this huge discourse and shows him, were you even around when the formation of the earth, did you even make something out of nothing? And that was really hard for me because then I thought to myself going, okay, then God, I know I can't question you and I know I can't, I know I can't tell you to do this or that. I can absolutely petition you because this story is going to talk about that in just a second. But I, I just began to think, okay, well, wait a second. So, so is this something wrong with me? And then I began to go back to that very point. And we've been talking about this a lot over and over again is our life is about glorifying God. 
And so whether I see a mountain move or whether I see resurrecting happen right in front of me, my basic question then becomes, God, what am I doing to glorify you in this very moment? If I'm supposed to be your witness everywhere, how does that happen? How do I glorify you at at every single moment? And we've got I'm going to tell you, we've got a stash of videos that we're going to start showing you of people in this very room who are just trying to do that. Glorify God at every single moment of every single time. So then I began to just go, okay, God, then what what am I missing? What am I not seeing? And one verse that popped up into my mind um, was Ephesians 6, 12, and and it's not on the screens, but if you you want to flip to it, you can, Uh, but the whole point of Ephesians 6.12 is this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And the reason why I think that God uh, brought that verse to my mind is this. Is my parents, uh, one of my Back up. One of my favorite authors is Frank Peretti, and he writes this amazing book called uh, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness, and it's all about uh, the unseen world attacking the seen world. And so my parents used to always talk about this, that that there are powers fighting for our souls, fighting to take us away from God. And so then I began to think in my own life, I remember this story of when um, I, I was with a friend and I know that I wasn't uh, following God the best, that I, the, the best that I could do in high school. And so uh, my friend had just gotten his driver's license and I jumped in a car with him and uh, he's like, hey, we, we just have to stop off at my cousin's house. So I was like, okay, let's, let's stop off at your cousin's house and uh, we got out of the car. It's really interesting. It was a VW Golf car. I remember it to this day. Um, had a great sound system in it. But anyway, I digress. So we go in the house. And the instant I walk into the house, I'm, I'm not kidding you, I know that something, 75 pounds of something jumped right on my back. Like I almost crumbled to the ground. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't, I couldn't. I, I just was just like, I have to get out of here. And I walked a little bit further, and I just said, no, I, I can deal with this. I can deal with this. And, and my parents every single time said, man, if you, if you feel anything, if you know that there's something going wrong, there's not, there's not a long prayer that's going to save you. It's the name of Jesus Christ that will. And so I was in that room, and I, and I, and I said, In the name of Jesus Christ, would you please help me get out of here? And I, as fast as I could, I just walked out of that house. And as soon as I left that house, I was just fine. See, the thing I think that when I'm looking at all of this stuff and I think about all these unseen worlds is I have experienced something supernatural. I have experienced the idea that there's more than just more than just this world. And that if there is a supernatural world out there, there is healings, there is, there is 
demonic oppression all around us. And so though we might not be seeing them all over again, I think that this, these two stories point us in a direction that we start to go, wait a second, maybe I need to change my outlook on what it means to look at a miracle. And the first thing is this, is that every single one of you who have given your life to Jesus Christ in this room, that is the first miracle that you will ever experience. There is no reason no rhyme for the fact that you are able to say, Jesus Christ has saved my soul. You don't do that on your own. You didn't come to Jesus Christ because you were such an amazingly good person. You came to Christ because he listened to the calling of God to go to the cross, to die for our sins, to create some miracle that we can't even fathom for us to be counted righteous in front of God. For us to be even in the same room as God without being wiped away like that. You see, I told somebody in my office this morning, it's amazing to me how we pray and pray and then God doesn't answer us and we get mad for God not answering us, but in the same breath, we don't thank God for the next breath we breathe. Because if we believe that God is the creator and sustainer of all things, the very breath that's in our life is because of him. The point that we can stand in front of a holy God and be unrighteous as we are is unbelievable to me. And I want to talk to you guys in just that aspect today of looking at this piece of scripture and, said, and saying, God, I, I am sorry for my unbelief for so long. And it's not to say that, God, I'm sorry for my unbelief for so long that now God can miraculously do miracles in front of us. And that's not the point of this sermon today. It's not the point that you guys get to somewhere that you can start having miracles come shooting out of your fingertips. But it's to bring us into a realization of, God, there is something that I might not have either tapped into or something that I'm not looking at correctly. It's unbelievable that this very first Acts 1.8 says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power. Power to, hey, wrangle in our sin, actually fight for sin, not wrangle because I don't want to wrangle sin, I want God to take care of it. But man, to have God take care of our sin, to have the righteousness imparted on us, to have the power to go to people and say, this Jesus is real have the power to possibly ask for, for prayer and watch God work. Have the power to do amazing things that you know that you can't do on your own because that's not who you are. Have the power to go through struggles over and over again and come out the other side of it going, I know exactly why I had to go through that because I needed to glorify God the whole entire time. But it's God that I'm going to follow, not what I want him to do. You know, there's this verse that even says that I, I love this, that Jesus says, blessed are those who believe without seeing. What if I, what if I never see a supernatural miracle in my life. Am I okay with that? Yeah. Do I, and the question is, do I, do I have to see a miracle in my life? Do I have to? 
to glorify God. No, I, 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 don't, I don't have to. There's nothing wrong with me if I don't create some sort of a miracle. Because it's not about me. It's not really about you either. It's about coming to a point and surrendering completely to God and say, God, this is all you. This, this is all you. I, I can ask you guys tons of stories in this room how some of you maybe have been addicts and the very next day that you give your life to Christ, you're done. Never touched it again. That's not, that's not for me. That's not for me to know. That's absolutely for you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. And there might be some of you in this room that go, man, I've been, a, I've been addicted to things forever. I wish that could happen to me. What's wrong with me? Maybe, maybe there's nothing wrong with you. If you, can answer the, if you can answer the question, am I doing everything I possibly can to glorify God? When there are accidents that happen around us all over the place, and I sit there and I go, God, why are things happening? And the only way that I think that I can finally respond is if I think that there is a God out there, if not I think, if I know that there is a God out there that does all of these things. And I want to be very careful of saying that I do not believe that God is like, bam, that's going to happen right now, do it. No, I, I, that, that's not what I'm getting at because there are accidents and there are people that, that um, do horrible things. But what I mean by that is in those moments, do I believe that God can create beauty out of ashes? The whole Bible is all about creating beauty out of ashes. And so when we look at this piece of scripture, I love thinking about this. I love getting to the point of going, God, I, I am just in awe of the fact that you can do these things. But I want to make sure, God, that I am following you so well that I know exactly what you're calling me to do at every given moment. That I'm not just hoping that you might do uh, that you might do a miracle because I think that I want you to do something for me. But that I pray in a way that goes, no, God, I am leaving the results to you, but I'm excited to see what happens because I want to see the glory of you. And so with that, let's dive right on in because, uh, because I, there are some things out of these two um, these, specifically these two miracles that are exactly an example from Jesus Christ himself, what he does. And that's why I, I love these two miracles, and, and I think that this is the right time to talk about miracles. Because in all along, in this whole, I told my preaching team, all along this whole entire time, I'm like, when am I going to have to breach this subject? When am I going to have to breach the subject of the power of Jesus Christ and why is it that we're not seeing all of these things and doing all of these things? And, and it just, I mean, this is the right time. And so if you're taking notes, let's dive right, in, right on in together. And the first thing that I, I, I want you to see is uh, two miracles and one example. So the very first uh, thing that you can fill in is this, is uh, get up and make your bed. Charles Swindoll, who I took the last four points from in his book, he said, he said, if you can wake up in the morning and tell your kids, get up and make your bed, you've, you've created a miracle in and of itself. But, 
That's not that type of miracle right here. But in, in uh, get up and make your bed. In verses 32 through 35, he says this. He says, meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place, and he came down to visit believers in the town of Lydda. There he met a man named Annius, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Annius, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Annius walking around, and they turned to the Lord. This, this almost exact um, healing was taking place in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 18. And, and here's the deal. I didn't put that on the screen either. And so if you have somebody who has a Bible around you, get super close with them, okay? Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to go. And if you don't have your Bibles, that's fine. I'm going to read it with you. I'm sorry, it's not Mark, it's John. I started reading, I was like, no, that's the demon-possessed man. John, chapter 5, sorry. So this guy is sitting outside of a well, and this is kind of, this is kind of the tradition is um, there's a certain point in time in, uh, at, this, at this place to, um, to be healed, and it was, it was outside um, it was, it was outside of the temple, and, and what would happen is, is when somebody would touch it with holy water or something would happen, there would be a rush of people to get into this pool. And so the person, so it was believed that the person who could get in the pool first could be healed, and so this guy is completely paralyzed, and so he actually, to be able to be healed, he would have to be carried in. And there was so much sickness that what would happen is, is by the time it was available for him to anybody to go in, somebody would consistently beat him there. And so Jesus walks across, uh, walks, um, walks by him. And um, after Jesus returned Jerusalem from one of the Jewish holy days, inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus says to him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry a sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. So I'm going to listen to him if he heals me. This is unbelievable. <laughs> 
You guys have been around me for 38 years, and you have not asked me to pick up my mat or walk, but you're definitely telling me to pick up my mat and put it down because it's the Sabbath day. Oh, you're so much better than me. That's, I love that. Sorry. I had to tangent back. All right. Who said such a thing? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. First of all, my father is always working, and so am I. I just want to let you know that in this very moment, like after looking at both of these pieces of Scripture, in everything in your life, whether you need healing right now or you're dealing with a struggle or you're, or you're trying to get over something, you have to know that Jesus, isn't, Jesus and God isn't sitting there doing nothing, waiting for you to finally do something. They're always working around you. The whole point is whether we're willing to see the working around us or not. Where we're, where we're willing to do our part. It's not that Jesus and, and God, or I'm just going to say God because we believe in the Trinity here. God is constantly working. He's not waiting for some magical moment for you to do the right thing for zap, it's all good. No, God is working all around us constantly and it's our job to continue to go, God, where am I not glorifying you right now? God, help me come back to glorify you. And, and the difference between these two stories is one thing is that Jesus is able to heal and go, pick up your mat. Peter has to say, it's Jesus who heals you, not me. And so, when we look at this piece of scripture, I love the fact that Peter is in the place of going. It's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's about what Jesus does for you and answering the call that Jesus has said. He's not, I'm just gonna tell you everywhere I read in Acts, I don't see Peter just willy-nilly saying, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. No, I think it is him walking with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are telling him, man, here's it, right, right now, do it. For the sake of the next thing that happens, then the whole population of Lida and Sharon saw him walking around. It wasn't just for a miracle, it was for a purpose. That the whole entire population would see him walking around and go, yep, we're following Jesus now. We're not following, it's not Peter, we're listening to the message that Peter is sharing That's, that is incredible power. That the point that Peter is listening to Jesus Christ, doing what the Holy Spirit is telling him to do, 
at the right moment to then allow people to respond. Can you imagine what it would be like for us if we got the healing that we wanted and then completely turned around and lived our life in a complete wreck that didn't show Jesus Christ? Could you imagine Peter healing him, healing this, this guy, and then just, just going, I'm going to break your legs now. What, what sort of example is that? And, and I think that I, I love this picture of going, it's for a purpose, it's not for the healing. It's not just to be healed. And our second story that we have in here is, uh, is this, is that we find healing is giving life to the marginalized and the needy. It's that second point right there. Giving life to the marginalized and the needy. Acts 9, 36 through 31, or through 41, sorry, 36 through 41 says this. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. That's an amazing name. In fact, actually, we were sitting here and I told my kids, I said, what if we name our, our, our new child Dorcas? And only one thought it was cool, Silas. He's the only cool kid. He was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. By the way, completely not what they ever did. This is not normal, okay? These people who are the believers who washed her, they, they are actually supposed to wash her and push all, put all the spices to get the, her ready for burial 24 hours later, okay? But she has no spices. She's just completely just washed and laid in the upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them, and all, the, Peter asked them all to leave the room. Next slide for me, would you? Then he knelt and prayed, turning the body, and he said, turning to the body, he said, "Get up, Tabitha." So she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. This is a great story. Because when you read this story, it's not about Dorcas. Um, I, okay, Tabitha. It's not about Tabitha being healed. It's actually about all the other believers who knew that power was found in Jesus Christ. That knew that, wait a second, we can't lose her because look at all of these things that she's done for us. And so, in looking at the other scripture in John, when it says that God is always working all around us, these widows were sitting there saying, we've seen God take care of us through Tabitha. We want God to continue to do that over and over again. And so, we know that Peter is out there. We're going to be in faith, walk and have Tabitha, or have Peter come in. An incredible story of faith. Incredible story of, wait a second, 
It's more than just the healing once again. It's about the life that Tabitha is going around and giving everybody she came in contact with hope. Giving God glory in, in every aspect that she could. We find the exact same story, actually, not so much in terms of, um, in terms of uh, a woman uh, who is taking care of, of widows, but we actually find uh, a story in um, Mark chapter 5 in which Jesus heals um, a girl. And the, the family comes and says, hey, would you please... Uh, would you please come and heal our, our daughter? We, we just need your help. And so Jesus goes to the house, and, and everybody who he's healing around him, um, they're just like, don't go, she's dead anyway, because they had come and gotten a report that she had, she had died. And uh, just don't come, she's dead, she's a lost cause. And Jesus says, no, that's, um, no I'll just go anyway. And so he goes to this upstairs room. He asks everybody to leave except for three of his disciples, James, John, and Peter. And they start praying in the room together. And at the very end of the prayer, Jesus says, Talitha koum, which is my precious one, rise. So the very same story you have, you have Jesus saying, Talitha, my precious one. And you, have, and you have Peter saying, Tabitha, which is also precious one, rise. Two exact same stories, but one, uh, two, two stories in one example from Jesus Christ. Perfect, I, I love the fact, and we're going to get into um, uh, this last one a little bit more in some of the details. But do you think that is not just coincidence that Peter does these out of the example of Jesus Christ. Not out of his own doing, but because he's been shown by Jesus Christ. And I keep coming back to this over and over again, and I've, and I've kind of talked about this with you guys, is, man, is Jesus Christ our example? Or are we just saying, hey, we've been told once that we can do all of these things, so I'm just going to try to do something. Are we following the example of Jesus Christ? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit to go, yes, man, I, I, I know this to be true. And I'm not saying that, man, the next time you see a, uh, a child that's dead, just say, Talitha, rise. That's, that's not actually what I'm, what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is, is, are we so in tune with the Holy Spirit that, man, we do what he's asking us to do? And so... Uh, to wrap this up, I've got four points for you to think about in terms of looking at an authentic miracle. And the first point is this, is that the Lord alone is glorified. That the Lord alone is glorified. And I've said this to you before, that it's, I don't think it's about the healing. I think it's about what's going to bring God the most glory. I think most of the time if we're honest with ourselves uh, about healing is we want it for us, don't we? It's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit selfish in there. The Bible does say if you are asking for healing, call the elders together and they will come and heal you. That's, that's true that we do want healing for ourselves. 
But my first question I would ask is this, is the Lord alone glorified in that? Are we making sure that at every opportunity we have, we glorify God? It's found in verse 34 uh, when Peter says, uh, Jesus Christ heals you. He doesn't say Jesus Christ and I. He doesn't say Jesus Christ and all the elders around you and the church, uh, the, the apostolic church heal you. No, it's Jesus Christ alone, and he is the one that's to be glorified. Don't, don't come to me. There's, there's even another point where we're going to get to next week where, G, where Peter comes into this, and these guys start kneeling and praying to him. He's like, no, 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 I, no. I am not Jesus Christ. He has the power, not me. The Lord alone is glorified. The second one is this, is that there is no showmanship here. There's no great big display of grandeur. It's found in verse 40 when Peter asked them all to leave and he turns and just prays. What if he prays and God tells him, no, don't, don't heal her? Would that still be okay? We just see the flip side that he prays in his own time with God with the door shut and he prays, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? There's no huge fanfare. There is a celebration afterwards, of course. But we're not doing it to display everything so that people are just amazed at our power to pray or anything like that. No, it is, it is simply calm and listening for God. Number three, the unbelievers are convinced to believe. That's the whole point. Back again, glorification of God. The whole point is that people would believe in Jesus Christ. Found in verses 35 and 42. Verse 35 says the whole population of Lydda and Sharon believed. And then in verse 42 it says the news spread across the whole town and many believed in the Lord. And the last one is this is that biblical truth is validated. Is that biblical truth is validated. If we're following Jesus Christ and his example, we will continue to follow his words and his example. So biblical truth is validated. And the last verse I have for that is found exactly in Acts 1.8. Once again, it says this. Should be the next slide. If not, you can go to the very top. The whole point of that is to bring it right back to this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's power in Jesus Christ. And he's calling each and every one of us to that spot with him. Doesn't come without tribulations, that's for sure, but it comes with a point of going, we want to glorify God in absolutely everything. And this last song we're going to sing, we're going to ask the uh, worship band to come forward. But in this very uh, song, 
It's a very interesting song because uh, I talked to somebody uh, that uh, somebody in my preaching team this week, Cheryl Fowle, and she said, man, I, I really struggle with that song, Bring the Rain, because most of the time I just want to tell God to bring a boat so that I can float in the rain. But the thing is this, is the whole entire song is based on this and is the idea that God, I, my job and my desire is to glorify you always. And so if I'm not doing that and it takes rain for me to do that, it takes a really hard time for me to do that, then that's fine. Bring that. God, if, if I'm barely above water when the rain is coming and I need a boat, yeah, do that too. But the whole point is that, God, I want to glorify you when, no matter what's going on in my marriage, in my relationship with my friends, in my, as co-workers, in my family, at every single moment, I want to glorify you. And I'm going to tell you this week, I, I've done a horrible job of glorifying God. Horrible job. Uh, I, I had such a fine moment this week that I was in Costco. My kids were just driving me so nuts. I, I, I legit, as a 38-year-old man, kicked a cart. Right? Get that away from me. And my wife turned around and she's like, really? You kicked a cart? You're 38 years old. And then I turned around and said, well, he started it. <laughs> 38, y'all. And then I looked at a lady down the hallway, or down the aisle. I'm fairly certain she didn't look at me the same afterwards. And I tried to pawn it off as telling my wife, oh, I was just having fun. She's like, yeah, you look like you're having fun. See, I think it does come to this, is that when we... When we desire to glorify God, man, He changes our, He changes our, our thought process. He changes how we look at things. He allows us to, man, see the sin that's within inside us and go, God, if there's anything that's not of you, would you help me turn? And I'm going to tell you, all of us in this room are going to fail this week. We are. It's how we look at the grace of God and go, thank you for your mercy and your justice and your forgiveness. Thank you that your mercies are new so I can start again. And God, would you help me to glorify you more? And God, if I'm not, go ahead. I'm okay with you bringing the rain. And when we sing this song this morning, don't, don't, don't sing it if you don't want it to be true. Thanks for sticking with me this morning. Here's what, I, here's what I know to be true. That I think the closer and closer we get to glorifying God, the, the more and more we see miracles all around us. The more and more we see people who <laughs> have life challenges fixed, that they begin to glorify God as well. And that we begin to go look at the miracles that God is doing all around us. The whole entire point of, of Acts is saying, and when, when we grab a hold of Jesus Christ, when we understand the power that he has, 
and that we share what's going on in the midst of glorifying God always. And I, I truly believe that we will continue to see miracles all around us as we do today. And so please keep on putting Jesus at the forefront of every step you have. Follow him. If you are in this room and you're going, I don't know what to do, seek out Jesus. And God, what do you have for me? Ask him over and over again and be, be willing to be silent to wait for him until he gives you an answer. God, you are powerful. You are sustainer. You are a creator. And we need you for our very breath. And so, God, would we continue to be guided, directed by you? Would we continue to... <laughs> Have your word be the lamp unto our feet. You are holy, God, and would we glorify you in everything. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Love you all. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.